This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession podcast with Chef Mary Mamalidi. Since I was a child, I've always like loved food and I've always been fascinated, you know, by the human body. But it really wasn't until I had my own health challenges that I realized I had to identify, you know, certain food sensitivities that I had. And really Joyce Health, it has always been about educating people first, giving people the information so they can feel informed and make better decisions for themselves and their families. That's Joy McCarthy. She's a certified holistic nutritionist and the founder of Joyous Health. Joy, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Mary. Thanks for having me. So for the people that don't know about you, who you are, can you take a few minutes and and walk us through who Joy McCarthy is? Yeah, totally. So I'm just a regular gal. (laughs) No, Um, I am a regular gal, but I started um, blogging about 10 years ago. I started my blog, Joyous Health. And uh, it was when I was still in school studying nutrition, but I was just like so excited about everything I was learning and I wanted to share it with with the rest of the world. And prior to that, what got me into nutrition was um, my own health challenges and uh, seeking another way to heal because I had spent quite a few years uh, not feeling my best. I had thinning hair, I had a lot of anxiety and digestive problems. And I went from you know specialist to specialist and took different medications and I wasn't getting any better. So finally I said, you know what, that's it. I'm gonna figure this out myself. I know myself better than anyone else, uh, than any other expert. Right. I know what makes my body feel good and what makes it not feel good. Um, by the way, I was like diagnosed with hormonal imbalance, which describes a large percentage of women today. So Mm -hmm. it was when I turned to natural health that my life like completely turned around and my health, um, I completely transformed my, my body and, uh, became a much healthier person. And that's what inspired me to then go back to school and study nutrition. Okay. Joyous health. You've been doing this now for 10 years. Let's talk a bit about joyous health, your whole, what you do, because you've got a lot going on and everything's fantastic. Thanks. Yeah. So um, Joyous Health, we consider Joyous Health to be like a healthy lifestyle brand. So it started out as just a blog uh, where I was just sharing health content uh, and recipes uh, and it's grown to what it is today. So um, if you go to Joyous Health, you still see like hundreds of recipes because that's, um, you know, the, the heart and soul of Joyous Health is all the food. Uh, so lots of free recipes there. And then we have a shop where we have a line of organic, certified organic body care products, and we also have hair care products. And I launched that in 2013 with my first few products because you know it, what you put on your body is just as important as what you put in your body. What you eat is just as important as what you slather on your face. I love that you're saying that because people don't connect the two. No, they totally don't. Um, and in fact, you know, when it comes to like toxins in body care products and chemicals that we don't want to be ingesting, putting them on our skin is actually a faster route to our bloodstream. Because when we eat these chemicals and toxins, at least you have your organs of detoxification, like your liver. Your liver is working hard every single second of every day to neutralize and eliminate toxins that you eat. Whereas toxins that go on your skin, whether it's phthalates or parabens or fragrance chemicals, these are not being, these are going directly into your body. Now, of course, there's, 
you know, a range of what the absorption rate is. Some chemicals will take, have to sit on your skin longer before they absorb. Some absorb like very quickly. So it's really important to consider that because many of the conventional beauty care products on the in the market today are just full of hormone disrupting ingredients. So that's why at Joyous Health, I wanted to create a line of products that are really effective. They're amazing. They're made from the simplest ingredients and they're affordable and, uh, and they're organic. And then we have our whole um, Joyous You uh, area of Joyous Health, which is like all our educational content. And really Joyous Health began as, it has always been about educating people first giving people the information so they can feel informed and make better decisions for themselves and their families. And that's why I have, you know, plenty of um, eBooks and online content uh, that, you know, people can, some of it is free, some of it they can buy. And I've got tons of that content to really uh, educate people. And I noticed also you created um, a book on detox. Yeah. So I have a couple of cookbooks. My second cookbook was all, was called Joyous Detox. Uh, and you know, I feel like the title is actually a little misleading. If I was to turn back time, I would have said to my publisher, I do not want to call it joyous detox because I think a lot of times people think detox, they think I'm going to be deprived. I'm going to be on a diet and I'm going to be miserable for whatever duration this detox is. So my, the detox I have in joyous detox is meant to be over a 10 day period. But my philosophy is a bit different in that joyous detox is a whole foods based detox. So you're actually eating lots of food. And if you like flip through the recipes, you see that the only thing that's missing here is I don't, there's no refined sugar in any of the recipes. Um, there's, you know, no junk whatsoever. So there's also, because it is a detox book, there's no recipes with dairy. There's no recipes with soy, no refined sugar, as I already mentioned, uh, no refined carbohydrates. It's basically just really simple, whole food, um, really tasty recipes, And I wouldn't even define it as clean eating. Like there's lots of recipes in there that are like homey comfort food. Like I have a mac and cheese, for example, in there. I have like a delicious cauliflower casserole that tastes cheesy, but I've used other ingredients uh, to make it taste cheesy, like ground up carrots with nutritional yeast. Oh, I love that. Yeah. When it comes to like navigating food sensitivities, it's just about um, getting more creative with your choices. And that's why I've done the work for you with Joy's Detox. But even if you don't have food sensitivities, even if you, you know, aren't trying to lose weight or you're, you know, not trying to fix a skin issue, um, eating recipes from the Joy's Detox is just a really great way to like feel better, boost your energy, have good digestion. There are so many benefits, um, from eating those kinds of recipes. Are you up for a quick game? Yeah, sure. Okay. So game we're playing is called Weird Food Facts, True or False? Question one. Creme fraiche was originally used to cure baldness. Oh, weird. <laughs> um, I'm going to say true just because it's so crazy sounding. That's hilarious because I did the same thing, but it is false. Ah, uh, damn. Creme fraiche <laughs> has always been used as a food. Oh, creme fraiche is delicious. It so is. Uh, question number two. Red and green peppers are the exact same vegetable, just at different stages of development. True. Yes, true. <laughs> They're all the same. And it's just because they've been harvested early. Yeah, red peppers are so much sweeter though, tastier. They really are, I love them. Question three. The modern depiction of Santa Claus was created by Coca-Cola. <laughs> um, no, uh, oh, actually, yeah, I think that's true. Actually, it's false. This is oh, a common damn. myth. Yeah, it's a very common myth. 
Okay, I totally fell into that trap. Yeah, with his traditional red suit and white beard long before Coca-Cola came into the scene. Mm. Four, it's illegal to stomp grapes with your feet for wine in Europe. I'm going to say false. Correct, false. I made this one up. It's just, (laughs) (laughs) it's not. But honestly, it should be because there's too many bacterial red flags happening there. Oh yeah, totally. There totally is. Because I've heard of places still doing this. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I just thought of like the I Love Lucy episode. (laughs) Right? Everyone thinks of that. Yeah. Okay, Hawaiian pizza was created in Ontario. Hawaiian pizza is just wrong, first of all. (laughs) Um, And I feel like that would be something that was created in Ontario, but I have no idea. It is. It's true. It was created, actually. It is. 1962. Now, I hope I don't butcher this man's name. By uh, A restaurateur owner by Sam Panopoulos um, in Chatham, Ontario. Oh, are you a Hawaiian pizza lover? Not in the slightest. No, it's just weird. It's just weird. It should have never, that's just my personal opinion. It should have never been created. I don't get that. Fruit on pizza. I just don't get it. I don't even like, you know, like when we, we go to like good pizza places in the city, I don't even like when you can get like a dessert pizza. I don't know. That just like weird to me out. Like if you're going to have pizza for dinner, do you really want to have pizza for dessert too? Right. I mean, unless you just want dessert and just get the pizza dough with Nutella. That's about Yeah. It. Okay. Maybe that's the one exception. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to health trends, what is the number one trend right now? Uh, I'd say keto is still like pretty big. When I go to the Canadian Health Food Association show, I see a lot of products that are being promoted as keto, whether it's a bottle of coconut oil, which is obviously keto, it's pure fat, or, you know, the newest uh, protein bar. So I think at the end of the day, the, the key thing is really, you know, when you see these products to look, okay, this protein bar, what is it actually made of? Um, because it's keto, that means it must be like low in carbs and high in fiber. So I think just like reading your labels, and, um, you know, doing what works for you, not mm. just following the health trends. Well, now that you brought a protein. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of protein powders only because I like to know what I'm ingesting and what I'm ingesting is, is actually what it's supposed to be. Yes, And there's exactly. so many products out there, so many brands. Honestly, it's, it's endless. How do I choose? Oh yeah, it's a minefield. So I think the first thing you want to do is whenever you you go to your health food store and you're looking at the wall of protein powders and getting a headache because there's so many, (laughs) you want to look at um, what is actually made of. So you want to like not look at the front label, look at the label on the back and the fewer ingredients, the better. The brand that I use personally is Genuine Health Mm -hmm. and they have an organic and fermented plant-based protein. Back in the day, like the gold standard of protein powders was always whey protein. That's what everyone loved. And anyone with a lactose intolerance problem hated. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So there's so many people who, A, are sensitive to that. Then, of course, they came out with like whey protein isolates um, that are not supposed to have any fat or any lactose. But even still, it's such like a, it's a fractionated protein. It's so, it's so pure um, and you know, if you're even remotely sensitive to any dairy protein, whey would not be the way to go, even right. though, um, you know, the research on whey shows that, yeah, it's great for building muscle and balancing blood sugar and keeping you full. But the nice thing is that now on the market, we have organic fermented plant-based powders that are just as bioavailable because, um, the plant proteins, whether it's chia or alfalfa, Um, or quinoa, these plant proteins through the fermentation process 
are made so much more, it's so much more bioavailable. So when you actually consume these in a smoothie, you're actually going to properly break down the protein and absorb the amino acids and get the most like bang for your nutrition buck. That being said, like in order to be healthy, you don't have to use a protein powder. You know, I right. go through phases with it. Like we love smoothies and then we don't have a smoothie for like two months. <laughs> it's great. You like smoothies too or you don't? We do. We do. We do the exact same thing. And of course, it's getting colder outside. Oh, I know. Is there anything that we should be adding to our grocery list uh, that'll help build our immune system? Yeah, totally. So I think, you know, it's great to really like pay attention. I'm sure you do this being a chef. I, I really like the idea of eating seasonally and like nature kind of provides us with what we need. Although there's a lot of superfoods that I ingest that don't come, that are not grown, you know, in Ontario, like turmeric and ginger. Um, but you know, when it starts to get colder, I think it's a really good idea to eat more warming foods. And these foods are often just naturally really good for our immune system. Like if you look at foods that are rich in beta carotene, um, you know, like the winter squashes and the sweet potato and the carrots and, you know, roasting these foods and eating these in the winter are going to help to support your immune system. And they're so good. Everything roasted is fantastic. I agree hundred percent. This time of year, you know, I'm definitely, I still like to have my salads, but in my salads, I'm putting definitely more warming ingredients. You know, if I've had roasted beets last night, I'll like mix them into my arugula salad yes. you know, with a little bit of feta cheese and mm -hmm. some pecans or whatever. Um, so I think, you know, eating according to the season is a good idea. Eating more warming foods, um, you know, really listen to what your body is wanting. Like ginger is great for the immune system, really great because um, it stimulates heat in the body. And if you do get an infection, it is good too. Um, a fever is not a bad thing necessarily, unless it's a sign of a more serious underlying condition. 90% of the time it's not, and it's just your body's response to fighting infection. So, you know, making yourself a warm tea with some fresh ginger root and some fresh lemon and some honey, all three of those have immune supportive properties. You know, the vitamin C and the lemon, uh, you have different B vitamins and honey, and there's so many constituents to honey that honestly, we don't even know about mm -hmm. scientists mm -hmm. haven't even uncovered. Um, but traditionally, you know, honey and ginger, these have been immune building foods for a really long time. Ginger is really good, obviously, for an upset stomach because it actually reduces inflammation um, within the, the, the large intestine. So it can be very helpful if you have any sort of gastrointestinal um, type flu. So, you know, making a nice little tea and kid, doing that for kids too. You know, don't, don't assume like I have a four-year-old and she's been a tea drinker since she started probably since she was about two. So whenever she gets mm -hmm. a cold, she'd be like, oh, mommy, can I have some tea with honey? I'll oh, make her so up a nice little tea. And then fermented foods. I think fermented foods are a great way to support your microbiome. And your gut, is, your gut houses up to 80% of your immune system cells. So your immune cells and your gut microbes are in constant communication. And the microbes that hang out in your gut actually help your body um, identify between friend and foe, friend being food particles and foe being you know, pathogens and viruses and parasites and bacteria. So you want to make sure that you feed those gut microbes, keep them healthy. They love plants. Um, they love sauerkraut unless you have a histamine intolerance, right. um, but most people don't. So um, kombucha, provided it's not too high in sugar. Yogurt, if you don't have a dairy sensitivity, you know, some good kefir, um, or I prefer, of course, organic yogurt. 
I love coconut kefir and coconut yogurt. That's my favorite. And also it's like really easy to make coconut yogurt yourself too. I actually have on my YouTube channel and on the blog, mm -hmm. um, I have recipes for how to make your own fermented foods because people don't realize they think like making sauerkraut is actually the easiest thing ever. And what, take a little bit of that every day? Yeah, I would recommend take, having at least one or two servings of some fermented food every single day. Now that doesn't mean you have the same sauerkraut every day. You wanna make sure you have variety. So maybe if you had scrambled eggs for breakfast, have a little kimchi. Kimchi obviously is sauerkraut's spicy cousin. Have a little kimchi. Yeah. Then maybe tomorrow with dinner, if you're having you know, a nice piece of baked fish, uh, then have some sauerkraut on the side with it. So there's lots of ways you can inject fermented foods into your diet. And what I was gonna say, protein powders, the one I use is fermented. So that's another way to get fermented foods into your diet too. Okay, so our winter survival kit. We have fermented foods. We have tea with water, lemon, honey, and ginger. Yep, lots of colorful foods. Colorful foods and wash your hands, people. <laughs> yes, you know what? Honestly, sometimes we forget the most obvious thing. I am such an avid hand washer, especially if you travel in the TTC. That's the first thing I do when I get home is I wash my hands. I'm Mary Mammoliti, and you're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast. Today, I'm talking with Joy McCarthy. So when did you start to discover the healing power of food? I mean, I've always been, since I was a child, I've always like loved food and I've always been fascinated, you know, by the human body. Uh, but it really wasn't until I had my own health challenges that I realized there were some foods that were harming me that seemed healthy. Uh, and then there were foods that, you know, could make me feel a lot better. So I just, I had to identify um, you know, certain food sensitivities that I had just basically by doing a bit of an elimination diet. So it was, it was a mix of, you know, taking things out and adding things in, but a big part of it was also my lifestyle. You know, it wasn't just about what I was eating. It was also about how I was living my life and making changes there, um, had a big impact as well. So you notice that certain foods and certain activities would actually help your hormonal, um, I think cause every woman suffers from a hormonal imbalance. <laughs> And yeah. we're always looking for ways to help that. Totally. And even now, like I'm in my 40s and I'll be like perimenopausal soon. And, you so know, I, I noticed like, yeah, I noticed um, this year that my period, my menstrual cycle was going a little wacky. Like I was, I was getting it every three weeks or every two and a half weeks. I'm like, no, 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 this is not happening yet. Yeah. I'm too young. Um, but I guess really I'm not. However, I knew, okay, my hormones are getting a little bit off. I need to do some tweaks. So I started taking some different herbal supplements and making a few changes. So I feel like, you know, you're always tweaking. You have to always like just really tune in and listen to your body because, you know, what works for you in your 20s is not going to work for you in your 30s. And what works for you in your 30s may not work for you in your 40s. So it's all about tweaking your diet and tweaking your lifestyle as well. You know, I think that's why it can be helpful to do a food journal. Um, to kind of see what are the foods that you're eating the most often and make sure that a food journal just helps you kind of evaluate your diet. And are you eating, you know, that same breakfast every single day, your, you know, steel cut organic oats with the same ingredients. So you want to make sure you mix things up because you can develop sensitivities to foods that are really healthy and good for really? you. Really? Oh, I absolutely. had no idea that by just eating the same thing, being repetitive with the same ingredients, you can actually develop yes. a sensitivity to it. 
Exactly. That's why dairy, gluten, soy, corn are the, are on the top 10. They're the top 10 allergens in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's really not surprising because if you look at the standard American diet, what are people eating? People who eat packaged foods, especially soy is in everything. Um, and, you know, as delicious as gluten is, if that's all you're eating, you know, if your diet is just carbs, carbs, and more carbs, then it's not surprising that there's so many people um, who have gluten intolerance. And you know, you don't even need a test. You know, just when you take a break from gluten, if you feel better, <laughs> that is your sign right there. Well, I heard that even if you don't have a gluten intolerance, so if you're not celiac, then, but you could still have a gluten sensitivity. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, of course, there's food sensitivity tests. If you want to like see it written on paper, yes, I do have a gluten sensitivity. The other thing is, you know, it doesn't mean that you can never have that amazing sourdough bread again. It just, and by the way, the gluten sourdough is much easier to digest because as you know, being a chef, it's just, it's the traditional way of making bread and easier on our digestive system. So it doesn't mean that you, you know, have to take a break from it forever. Uh, it just, you know, and I'm a perfect example of that. Like I did have to take a long break from eating gluten and now I can eat it. But if I was to go back to, you know, eating gluten every single day. So, you know, I used to have my whole wheat wrap for lunch and I would have, mm -hmm. you know, my toast for breakfast and maybe pass it for dinner. If I went back to eating that way, for sure, I would start to, you know, exhibit some of those same symptoms again. What about sprouted bread? Yeah. So when, bre when bread is sprouted, there's a really great brand, actually, it's a Canadian brand. I really love it. Silver Hills. So they sprout the wheat and when it's sprouted, the gluten is actually easier to digest. But if you are someone who has like a pretty strong gluten intolerance, or if you have if you have celiac disease, you cannot you cannot eat any form of gluten, whether it's right. sprouted or fermented or not. But for the large majority of us, um, if I think if we just go from our standard whole wheat bread to a sprouted bread or a sourdough, uh, makes a really big difference in their digestive wellness, which affects everything. Okay, now one more question before we move along: um, omega threes. Yeah, what do you recommend in terms of supplements? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a big fan of supplementation. Um, I give a supplement to my daughter because DHA is such an important part of brain development. I mean, children have their brain rapidly develops and it basically their brain is like adult size by age five or six. So DHA uh, is one of the omega-3 fatty acids uh, that are absolutely needed in our diet. We have to eat them um, in order to obtain them and they are essential for our wellness. So um, I take a fish oil myself and I give one to my daughter as well. Actually, it's funny because right now I'm, <laughs> I'm actually taking the same fish oil as my daughter because it's so tasty. <laughs> oh, really? Now, in reality, yeah, in reality, because I am a grown up, I, I, I should be taking more as a supplement. But the thing is, like I eat fish a few times per week and I eat a lot of good fats. But uh, yeah, omega-3s are so important for hormonal balance, for skin health, for hair health. Um, they're like your hair's natural moisturizers and then also like cardiovascular health and brain health. You know, we now know that, you know, conditions, uh, brain degenerative diseases like Alzheimer's um, are to do with brain inflammation. So anything you can do to reduce inflammation in your body is a good thing. Do you have a signature dish? I'm not the type of person, I don't actually like to slave in the kitchen mm -hmm. for a long period of time. I know some people, I have friends who just like love that. Like they love doing something, a roast that takes them like 12 hours or something on the barbecue <laughs> or whatever. I do not like that. Um, but I appreciate it when other people do that and I can enjoy what they eat. Right. But, my, but our typical weekday meal, I, we like to be done in like 15, 20 minutes. 
So like, for example, last night, um, we had some roasted veggies uh, and we had some salmon that we just put a bit of ghee on, a little bit of lemon and sea salt. And that was like our entire dinner done in like 18 minutes. Just pop it in the oven, boom, ready to go. I just roasted broccoli and cauliflower. So it's not like, you know, trying to roast um, Root a hearty vegetable, right? <laughs> like a beet or a parsnip. So just yeah. like easy. And then pancakes. Oh my gosh. That is definitely my signature. I'm a pancake monster. Are you? Oh yeah. We have pancakes every single weekend and we make a big batch so that we can just pop them in the toaster. Um, You freeze them, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then just have them as like a, like just pop it in your toaster. I like coconut butter, just slather it with some coconut butter, a little bit of maple syrup or honey. Um, Yeah. So I love making like, I love buckwheat flour and I make a lot of buckwheat banana pancakes. Um, I like coconut flour pancakes and all these recipes are either in my books or on my blog as well. Do you have any like tricks or hacks that you use in the kitchen? Yeah. You know what? I always make sure. Okay. So to stay organized, I always have a sense in the morning before I leave for the office, I have to know pretty much what we're having for dinner. Because if I don't know, then most of the time, like there, you come home and you don't know what to eat because everything is frozen. That's right. So I, like I said, I freeze all our protein. So every morning uh, before I head up to the office, I will take out whatever protein we're having for dinner. And because I keep my fridge well stocked, then I know that I've got whatever fruits and veggies or complex carbs or brown rice or whatever um, to go with it. So that's kind of one of my things. Do you pre-cook your proteins or you just freeze them and then cook them as you yeah, decide? Yeah, I don't, I don't pre-cook them. Even if I'm roasting like some chicken thighs or something, yeah. I feel like it doesn't take that long, maybe like 35 minutes yeah, or less. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, people think cooking takes so much time. No. I don't, I don't, like, yeah, it can if you're, you know, making a stew over like 10 hours or you're making your own bone broth. But that's when you put it in a slow cooker. Yeah, exactly. Then you turn it on and you don't have to worry about it for the day, which, which I also do. Cause I do like making my own stocks and bone broths and stuff. Cause it's just like the tastiest, right? If you want a tasty soup, don't buy the Tetra pack stuff. That's right. Like, yeah, that can save you time, but it just does not taste the same. Plus you're always going to be getting some sort of preservatives. So this is at, this is the point where I ask all my guests, to share a little kitchen confession with me. Sure. So coconut flour. Um, <laughs> most people have a love-hate relationship with it. Yes. And uh, when I wrote my very first cookbook, Joyous Health, um, as I already told you, I'm a pancake monster and I have these coconut flour banana pancakes that I make all the time. I've been making them forever and I absolutely love them. But what I didn't consider, because I was an amateur writing a cookbook, I didn't consider that not everybody knows how to use coconut flour because it has its own personality. Yes. So anyhow, I put in this recipe into my first cookbook by itself and I wish I never did because that was the one recipe that's still to this day. I have people write to me or email me or whatever and be like, Joy, I made this recipe. I really wanted it to work, but it doesn't work. (laughs) And then I'm like always trying to help people troubleshoot. But then there's that 50% of the time it's like, I see it on Instagram. Someone has like posted this stack of beautiful fluffy coconut flour Mm -hmm. So in retrospect, I probably wouldn't have put that recipe in that cookbook. I would have just put it on the blog um, so that I can troubleshoot more. That's like just things that I've like learned about writing cookbooks. That's why, so my third cookbook coming out later this year, December 31st, um, these are recipes that have been tested by so many different people. So that I feel super confident I will not have any recipe flops whatsoever. Can you share the name of the new book? Yeah, totally. It's called The Joyous Cookbook. 
So it's 100 recipes that are totally family friendly. I've got at least 40 one pot meals and main dishes as well, because that was one thing that a lot of people have been asking me for. They want like more soups and more like one pot meals, um, because I really love baking things and I love desserts. Uh, and I have a full entire section, obviously, of desserts on my blog. I have lots, lots of salads and veggie sides and snacks and smoothies. So it's just packed. But this book is different in that it's not like a focus on dairy-free, it's all refined sugar-free, obviously, but it's not like a focus on like dairy-free, gluten-free kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Even though most of what I eat, most of what I eat is dairy, cow dairy-free, and most of what I eat is also gluten-free, but you don't feel that sense of restriction with my new cookbook at all. Recipes are all identified, you know, whether it's nut-free or gluten-free recipes are all identified throughout. So people know, okay, this is safe for me to eat. Um, and if they need to make a substitution, I always include those as well. Oh my God, this book is calling me right now. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much for talking with me, chatting, playing along. This has been so much fun. Been so fun to chat to you, Mary. If listeners want to reach out, find you, look for more, ask any questions, how can they find you? Sure. So I'm on Instagram at Joyous Health. Uh, and you can find me, my blog, of course, my website is joyoushealth.com. And I have a newsletter with recipes that I send out every single week. And I also have a podcast with my husband called the Joyous Health Podcast. And we're just in season two right now. It's that time we've reached the end of another show. Be sure to visit kitchenconfession.com for more recipes and foodie finds. I'd like to thank producer and editor Matt Agnew, and I'm Mary Mamaliti. See you at the next episode. 